Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, USA fans. Daniel Feuerstein here, the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. After 90 minutes of what the hell did we just saw in that first half to, oh my God, I cannot believe they actually came and put it together in the second half, the United States men's national team scoring four goals after allowing one. And they finally earned their first win in this World Cup qualification cycle in the octagon by a final of four goals to one. It is unbelievable what we have witnessed. It is unbelievable what we have seen here. And with this result... Matching with other results in CONCACAF tonight, ladies and gentlemen, as I am finishing tabulating the mathematics of goal differential points and goals scored, or goals for, at the end of this whole situation... The U.S. men's national team, after their first three games of World Cup qualifying in the octagon, are officially in third place in the gone table. With this result, they are level with Mexico, excuse me, with Canada on points with five. Scoring five goals and allowing two for a differential of a plus three. Panama currently in fourth place in the international playoff spot. Obviously, there are more games to be played, but up until now, at this point, the United States is in the top three of the octagon. The United States right now in the top three in the octagon. And it's just amazing to see what happened in this one. From a horrible opening half to an absolute disgusting, pathetic, horrible showing of the opening 45, Greg Berhalter, deservedly so, being destroyed on social media, deservingly so, getting ripped apart to shreds by the U.S. soccer community. And what does he do to save his job? What does he do 
at halftime, he says, that's it. I've had enough of this. If none of you are going to be playing like that, if none of you are going to be playing the way that I believe you can play, well, I'm going to make some substitutions. I'm going to make some subs. And I'm going to make sure that we are going to get a result. He didn't waste any time. He did not waste a single second in the second half. Greg Berhalter comes up big, comes up huge with making the correct substitutions. And what does he do? He gets goals. He gets goals. And where did the goals come from? Three out of the four goal scorers came from the substitutes bench. After making substitutions around halftime, the 46th minute, bringing in Anthony Robinson for George Bellow, bringing in Brendan Aronson for Josh Sargent, bringing in Sebastian Leggett for John Brooks, who did not do the job. Those three guys did not do the job. A big bending ball by Anthony Robinson two minutes later levels the score at one apiece. And then the brand new superstar up top in Ricardo Pepe with a bending header inside the far post. He makes it 2-1 USA. In the 75th minute. And then it's Brendan Aronson's second straight World Cup qualifying match with a goal. Two goals and two straight. Makes it 3-1 in the 86th minute. And then in second half stoppage time, Sebastian Legit finally gets back on the ledger. 4-1 USA. Go down the San Pedro Sula. They have a horrible opening 45. They come back and they pull out one of the biggest victories at this point in time. And even though it's only been the third World Cup qualification match, this USA team came up big when it had to. The opening 45 was disgusting. No action. Nothing constructive. No imagination. No continuity. Misplaying the ball. Easily shoved off the ball. Poor defense. John Brooks, I don't know what's happened to John Brooks, but right now John Brooks is not looking like a confident player. And he does not look reliable on that back end. It is amazing to watch what we have seen here in this match. Let me tell everyone something here. And and, and I, I want people to understand, when you go and play these World Cup qualifiers down in Central America, these are old stadiums that has players on top of you. 
and the, excuse me, the fans on top of you, regardless of the running racetrack that surrounds the field, that separates the fans from the players. It is a running track that makes that separation, and it does not matter. The fans are still on top of you. When you talk about old arenas and old baseball stadiums, like the original Yankee Stadium, the fans are on top of you. When you're talking about the old Chicago Stadium in the National Hockey League, the fans are on top of you. The original Madison Square Garden, the original Boston Gardens, the original Maple Leaf Gardens, the original Montreal Forum, you're talking about arenas. Even the Joe Louis Arena, the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum before the redone, you're talking about old buildings that have the fans on top of you. That puts the fear in the visiting players' minds. This team was not ready to play. This team was not prepared properly. Greg Berhalter made major mistakes putting James Sands in the midfield and having Tyler Adams as a right-winged fullback. John Brooks is not pulling his weight. And And honestly, and to be fair... I would expect Tim Ream to replace him in October as a center back. You don't put Tim Ream as a fullback. You put Tim Ream as a center back. In my mind, Tim Ream has now re-earned his position. But Greg Berhalter, I'm sorry to say it, played scared. He played nervous. He had this team unprepared to open the match. He structured them the wrong way. And when you put players out of position, things you should not be doing, you're going to get punished. And it is a miracle, an absolute miracle that Honduras only got a goal in the first half. If not for Matt Turner, for that entire 45 opening minutes, the opening 45, if, he, if Matt Turner does not stand on his head, this match is dead and buried, and every single fan is ready to sharpen their fingers of blame, sharpen the machetes, ready to chop his head off and send his body to the glue factory. That is how close Greg Berhalter was right there. I give Greg Berhalter a bunch of credit right now. I give Greg Berhalter Tons of credit right now for recognizing I cannot screw this up. I cannot start this second half the way that we've been playing in the opening half. The second half 
needs to be better, needs to do better. And that means benching and subbing out players like John Brooks and Josh Sargent and George Bellow, subbing them out for their poor play and putting in players like Brendan Aronson, Sebastian Leggett, and Anthony Robinson. And they repay that base with scoring a goal each. Amazing. This was beautiful. This is the team we should have seen against Canada in Nashville, Tennessee. That's the type of team we should have seen on Sunday night down in Music City. We didn't see that team. We might have saw a couple of glimpses, but we never, ever saw it at all. Never saw it at all. What we saw in Nashville. It was terrible what we saw in Nashville. All you can say now is that Burhalter has saved his skin going into the October qualifiers. He has saved his job. Whether U.S. soccer would have sacked him or not, whether whether U.S. soccer would have sacked him or not, it did not matter. In my opinion, he saved his job. And I'm telling you right now, telling you right now, it is unbelievable. We have seen what we have witnessed. We have also now seen the future get bigger and brighter and better with Ricardo Pepe. What a bender of a ball to him, and what a header goal by him to grab the lead. Could you imagine now him saying he wanted to play for Mexico, but instead he chose to play for us now? That, my friends, is just unbelievable to see a talent like that doing well for FC Dallas, rising talent of FC Dallas, churning more and more talented players in their academy. And now, helping our national team get bigger and better. Opening goal for him, first ever USA goal for him. Proud of him. He did a job. It was amazing. 
all you can say about Ricardo Pepe is this. Whoever is going to be with him up top has to do better. And that is Josh Sargent. Maybe Josh Sargent is not fit or made for Greg Berhalter's system. And that's okay. That's all right. He still has plenty of time to improve himself. Phone number is open if you want to call in, 646-929-1823. Call in for your uh, opinions. But I'm telling you right now, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's amazing to watch when you have competent players doing well, but at the same time, they're being put in their proper positions. They're being put in their proper positions after a poor opening 45. This is the adventures of World Cup qualification. These are the trials and the tribulations of what needs to be done when you must, I repeat this, you must go out there and you must perform at a high level. This, my friends, is the situation that is in front of us. This talent, this golden generation that has popped up on us. Now it's starting to shine. Now it's starting to look strong. And as much as I would love to see either Zach Steffen or Ethan Horvath be in goal for the U.S., the truth is, are they getting minutes at their club? Zach Steffen is definitely behind the eight ball at Manchester City. He's not getting any playing time. Only if it's going to be at Carling Cup matches or League Cup matches, going to be during the FA Cup matches. That's it. What is the point of having Zach Steffen on Manchester City if he is not allowed to be the starting goalkeeper? And that's fine. That's okay. But honestly, this is getting ridiculous. This is getting absolutely ridiculous. Nottingham Forest, I hope they're going to let Ethan Horvath start. You signed him not as a backup. You signed him to start. If the penalty kick save that he made on Guardado is not enough for them to keep to use him as a starter, then I don't know what is. And yes, Matt Turner, 
I don't care where the goalkeepers come from. I don't care where they are. I don't care how they start. I don't care how they finish. The point is, is that if they are getting proper minutes, consecutive minutes, no matter what league they're in, they're getting minutes. And if you get minutes, then you should be the starting goalkeeper for the U.S. men's national team. We all know who the projected starters should be, but if they're not getting the proper minutes, they don't deserve to be the starter on the national team for World Cup qualification. This is all I ask. This is all I want. This is all I expect from a head coach of our national team. This is what you hope for. This is the situation that's in front of us. This is what I wanted to see. Utter destruction. Four goals to one. Seeing this national team going on the road. Central America is still a dangerous place for a visiting soccer nation or a visiting soccer team to go get a result in because of what has happened in the past. And now, look at what happened. Four goals to one. When everything was looking like it was down in the dumps, it is now looking strong and bright. My goodness, this is unbelievable. This is wonderful. The alarm was sounded at halftime. They went out and did a job in the second half. And the U.S. men's national team right now, as of right now, are in a better position than they were at the end of the first half of tonight's match. Give you some updated scores here in this third match day of Octagon CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. Earlier tonight, Canada at home at BMO Field destroying El Salvador three goals to nil. The rest of the matches, two other draws. Panama with a 1-1 draw at home against Mexico. And then Costa Rica at home with a 1-1 draw against Jamaica. And now, with three matches on the books, three matches done and dusted, here are the official standings of the octagon table in CONCACAF. With two wins and a draw for seven points, Mexico in first place. Now, Canada with a win and two draws undefeated, five points. With a win and two draws, five points. Panama. A win and two draws, five points. 
plus three on the differential for everyone. But on goals scored, Canada and the United States with five, Panama with four. So at this point in time, Mexico, Canada, United States, if it ended today, those three would automatically go to Qatar. Fourth place finishers, Panama, would be in the international playoff. In fifth place, Costa Rica with two points, minus one on the differential. In sixth place now, Honduras with two points with a minus three on the differential. In seventh place, El Salvador, two points. And Jamaica dead last with a draw and two losses for one point. They have only scored twice, and they have allowed six for a minus four on the differential. This situation came up huge for the USA. This situation for the USA, I I am completely stunned. I thought this was going to be another one of those games where everything was going to die. I thought this was going to be one of those games where nothing was going to be right. For Greg, Berhal- for Greg Berhalter and the national team. After that disgusting display of the opening 45, he has the nerve and the proper mind decision to go out and make those substitutions And the USA pours it on, scoring four goals. That's a coming out party. It was basically a match and a half too long for that to happen. A match and a half too long for that to happen. It is amazing to watch and to see how all of this unfolded. And I am completely shocked that they were able to pull that out. But I'm happily shocked. I'm very happy. I'm very happy. Very happy. Once again, this was a huge moment for this national team. And as of right now, as of right now, instead of two points out of three games, instead of three points out of three games, They have earned basically five points, three games. Five points out of nine in the first three games. And that, my friends, is a shocker. 
it is a head scratcher. But you know what? I'm pleased. I'm happy. I am excited. That was probably their best victory ever on the road in Central America. We know what's in store for them when they go down to Mexico at the Estadio Azteca. We know what's in store for them when they go down to the office in Kingston, Jamaica. We also know what's in store for them when they head down to the National Stadium in Costa Rica. Because why? Because those are probably the toughest places to play. We all know the worst of the worst is the Estadio Azteca with the altitude. If the match is played at night, the smog will not be that terrible. And that's the hope, because if they play it during the day with the smog, it's going to be just, it's going to be a lot worse. <clears throat> I am I am flabbergasted. I am happy. I am I am extremely ecstatic. And to see them continuing to score goals in this second half after they got the two one lead was even better. Much, much better. Proud of them. Happy for them. It was amazing to watch. To see that second half come up huge. To see the back end of the 45 minutes in the second half to come up huge. It is unreal. It is unreal what we have witnessed. If you watched it on your app on Paramount Plus, it is amazing. If you watched it unfold in front of you, it was a miracle. Because Greg had no choice. He had to make those subs. He was painted into a corner by his own players. And at the same time, he painted himself into a corner because he mixed and matched putting players not in their proper positions. Did not do that at all. And when he finally made the changes, and when he finally put players like Tyler Adams in the middle of the park at midfield and then put Sands in back into the back line and made those three subs with Leggett and Aronson and Anthony Robinson, boom, things got better. Things were much better. And I am happy that Greg Berhalter learned from his mistakes. I am happy that Greg Berhalter finally understands 
cannot mess around in World Cup qualification himself. As much as I was upset with how Weston McKenney screwed up, Greg Berhalter screwed up a lot more than, Ber- than McKenney did. But I give him credit. I give him credit for coming up big. I give him credit for coming up huge, making the subs he had to make to restructure this starting 11. Came up big, came up huge, and the United States, that, like I said already, look like they're going to be down at two points, then look to get three points. Now they're at five points. You can say, obviously, you can say the U.S. is probably in second, Canada's in third, however you want to measure it. I'm going, that, I'm going the way I am because why? Because everything is even, everything is equal, and I believe alphabetically Canada will go second and then the U.S. will go third or, you know, all that other fun stuff. But honestly, honestly, I hope this not only sparks the team, Tober, but Greg Berhalter will now have a full month. Not just, forget about, you know, forget about scouting the oppositions for the October games. Forget that. He has to reassess what and who he needs to bring to the team and at the same time how to structure the team and have them ready to play. Because he's got to be a little bit more forceful. He has to be a lot more demanding of this national team and how they're playing. That's what has to be done. He has to be more demanding. Because if he's going to be blasé about it, then you know what? He deserves to be sacked. He saved his job tonight. Like I said, I don't know what's in the minds of U.S. soccer, but in my mind, in my opinion, Burhalter, if he would have lost tonight, he deserved to be sacked. If he lost tonight. If... He ended the game with a draw. He barely saved himself. Barely saved himself to fight another match. This is why what happened in Trinidad back in 2017 in the final match of the Hex This is why you don't screw around during World Cup qualification. You don't screw around like this. Go out and you kick some ass. That's what you got to do. You go out 
and you kick some butt, and you make sure you get your tactics right, you make sure you get your structure right, you make sure you go out and your game plan is rolling and fitting like a T. Because this generation is good enough to do damage. Go out and do your damn jobs. But if we are going to have another moment like this, then what's the point of playing? I'm not saying piece of cake to win on the road in this confederation. I'm not saying it's a piece of cake. It's damn hard. It's very, very hard. It's not just you got to face off against your opponent. You got to face off against the visit, you know, when you're visiting uh, that nation, the hyped up crowd, visiting and taking on the referees that will probably be a little more sympathetic to your opponents in their country. And you also have to worry about the overabundance of the gamesmanship that Honduras is going to play. They're going to roll around. They're going to act they have been seriously injured. They are going to play these games and then they'll return to try and beat you. That is what they do. That is what happens in World Cup qualification. Exaggeration of a foul. They wait for you to come to take them out. They leap in the air. Once they feel contact, they spin, and then they fall straight to the ground. The abundance of gamesmanship is horrible. And all you can say is that you need to keep your composure and you need to make sure that nothing goes wrong. You cannot overdo it. You cannot um, overcommit. And they'll take advantage of you if you're not careful on the ball. That's why this confederation is tough. You'll never see it in Europe. You'll see it in South America. But you'll never see it in Europe. Because why? Because they have more respect for each other. Even though you'll have rivalries, there'll be more respect. And while Bruce Arena has said in the past, now I'd like to see the big boys try and, you know, qualify out of here, which he said, I've repeated, I'm going to repeat this again. He said this at the wrong time because he shouldn't have said it in the final game of the Hacks in the last cycle. But honestly, I really want to see them attempt to qualify out of here. Because it's not fun. And I guarantee you, if Cristiano Ronaldo 
and Portugal ever took on one of these smaller teams in either Honduras or El Salvador or Guatemala or even Panama and even Costa Rica, they would get frustrated very, very quickly. It's not because I'm just saying it, but it's a fact. It is a fact. So once again, there's a time and a place when you're going to say something like that. And all I'm saying is, be careful what you wish for. Be very, very careful on what you wish for. Now, Maybe it's not the best time to talk about it, but I want to talk about it on the show. I know I typed it up on Twitter and everything. I know I gave my opinions on Twitter, but I really want to go to Weston McKinney. And if I'm going to repeat myself, so, so I shall. But at least you'll hear what I said. But if you want to see what I wrote, go to my timeline. Go to at capital letter D, capital letter S, all lowercase E-U-E-R-S as in Sam, T-E-I-N. I understand Weston McKenney felt he had to go out of the hotel and meet people, do things. He did this not once, but twice. He broke COVID protocols and left the hotel to bring someone over, probably his girlfriend, someone he knew. And what he did was the wrong thing. Weston McKinney, of course, we all know, got suspended by U.S. Soccer and Greg Berhalter, not playing against Canada on Sunday, and then got sent back to Italy, back to Juventus, as he was not in this match. We have to be perfectly clear here. Weston McKinney is a professional. I understand he's 23 years old, he's very young, he's very outgoing and all that stuff, and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But there is a big difference here when you're playing in a World Cup qualifier. When you're playing in a World Cup qualifier, everything else is pushed to the side. Everything else does not matter. If you're going to play FIFA over and over and over, so be it. You're going to watch a DVD on your laptop, so be it. You're going to play computer games on your smartphone, so be it. Watch YouTube videos, so be it. But you have to understand... We didn't go to Russia in 2018. We didn't qualify for it. I don't think he's going to lose his spot, but if he continues on to pull these shenanigans, he will. He will. I don't want him to lose his spot. He's too talented of a player to lose. I don't want to lose McKenney. 
I don't want him to lose his spot. But if he does it on his own because of his stupidity, then he will. It, it, this is a moment where, and I don't care, oh, well, we, you know, it's already over with. It's already old. No, it's not old. It's not. It still lingers on. It still lingers on. And until he learns to be more mature and grow up from this mistake, it will still go after him. You know, the Italian papers are not forgiving when it comes to calcio, football. It's not forgiving. They are not forgiving, the Italian media, when it comes to football. They will let him have it. They will go after him. They will find a way... To go after him and say Juventus should transfer him out. We can't have that. Cannot have that at all. And I understand his father is defending him on Twitter. I understand that completely. You know, what I mean, a father has to defend their, their children, you know, as professionals and everything. Look, my dad defended me all the time whenever I did something wrong or supposedly I did something wrong. My father defended me. And all you can say is, is... Good for him. Good for him. But honestly, this is not a good look for his son. Carlisle of ESPN FC with that article. Go to his Twitter page at Jeffrey Carl at Jeffrey Carlisle. I believe this is his father, John. He says, Weston is a better person than most and could have by now named dropped more violators, but instead is taking it on the chin and will bounce back. People love you when it fits their narrative. He is a decent young man. If you only know one side, then you think the worst. Let me understand. I want, I want him to understand this. I don't think he's the worst, Weston. I don't think Weston McKinney is the worst. He's not. But what he did was detrimental to the team. We are still in a pandemic. COVID. Delta variant, now there's another variant now called the Mu variant, MU. And apparently there'll be more and more mutations and more and more variants coming down the road until this whole thing is done with. Bringing in someone 
into the bubble to the hotel should never have happened. Should never have happened. Weston knows this, yet he did it. He had to pay a price. He did this before down in Italy. Hosted a party. Andrea Pirlo, who was the manager at the time, suspended him for that. Can't do it. You can't pull stuff off like this at all. And when you do stuff something like this, you're going to you're going to suffer. You're going to lose uh, you know, some of the purse money for something like this. And I want people to understand that, you know, you're mad about Burhalter for suspending him, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be because what he did was correct. If you want to be mad at Greg Burhalter, you get mad at him for the performance against excuse me, you get mad at him for the performance against Canada and that opening half at Honduras. That is who you get mad at for Greg Burhalter. When you get mad at a head coach for suspending a player who basically did something detrimental to the team, you don't get mad at him for that. Because that's his job, to discipline the players. He didn't want to, but he had to. And he did so. And I applaud him for that. I applaud Burhalter for that. But once again, you let him have it. Greg Burhalter I'm talking about. You let him have it. When he screws up the Canada home match, and then he screws up the opening half of this match against Honduras, is why you let him have it after the first half, but then you praise him after the second half. And Greg Berhalter deserves praise for the job he did in the second half going from halftime in the locker room to the end of the match that in my mind was probably their best 45 minutes ever they were decent in El Salvador they probably should have done better they were decent against El Salvador they didn't do enough against Canada he did not do his job in, against Canada, Greg Berhalter, because he did get outcoached by John Herdman. He did. And now, after a poor opening 45 minutes, the closing 45 was spectacular. That's what you judge a head coach for a national team does. And I want everyone to understand something, and this is also to Weston McKenney that everyone has to understand. Most of you know and you do understand, but I want Weston McKenney to understand this. A continental tournament like the Nations League and the Gold Cup 
okay? You play in a group stage. In the Nations League, you're in the top league in the group stage. You're only playing two opponents, four games each, two at home and two on the road. If you win your group, you go to the semifinals, and then you play the final. If you can advance to the final. In the CONCACAF Gold Cup, you are playing in a group stage for three games against three different opponents. The job is to be in the top two of of the group you are in. (coughs) Excuse me. Move on down into the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and then you get to the final tournament. And then you win the Continental Championship of this confederation known as CONCACAF. You have, in World Cup qualification, one game at a time, 90 minutes each, no extra time if the match is leveled at a score of either goalless, all ones, all twos, all threes, whatever. You will face difficult opposition. You will face difficult teams when you travel and face them on the road. And you need to understand that you need to score more goals than the home team when you are on the road in Central America or in the Caribbean. Because you need to make sure that the United States of America, U.S. men's national team, is at least one of the top three positions on the octagonal table. If you're doing poorly, but you're still able to survive, and you reach that fourth place for the international playoffs, you better damn well take on the opponent in front of you, home and away. You better beat them to the ground. This is World Cup qualification. This, my friends, is what you need to do to go out And show no fear and show no mercy. This isn't the Karate Kid. Nothing like that. We're talking about banging in as many goals as possible and pummeling your opponent to death. Let them know who's boss. Let them know. No. And I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. This team is going to learn the hard way, which is what they did. And Greg Berhalter has learned the hard way, too. And I am happy for Greg Berhalter that he figured it out. 
I'm not looking to trash him every single match. I'm not looking for him to screw up every single moment of the match. I want him to succeed. I want him to get our national team back on the world stage to the biggest soccer tournament, the biggest soccer party in the world. And even though it will be in Qatar next winter, the truth is we have to get there. Getting there is more important than not getting there. Getting there is more important to go out and to do a job. That job has just gotten started, and that job will not be finished until we qualify for the World Cup. I don't want to wait five more years down the road till we can host it with Canada and Mexico. I want them in Qatar next winter. I want them in the World Cup next winter. Plain and simple. And if they're not going to do it, then it's another disappointment. And then Greg has to go. But right now, through a horrible first half, he made the proper changes. He made the correct substitutions. Greg Berhalter deserves a pass right now. Thank you for listening to me tonight. This is my USA at Honduras World Cup qualification post-match show. The United States destroying Honduras by a final of four goals to one. Join me on Monday night for another regular Four Scenes Fire American Soccer Show. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Good night, everybody.